G'day, and welcome to DC podcast series, Health Design on the Go. I'm your host, David Cummins, and today we're speaking to Professor Stephen Ray, who is a professor of design within the School of Art and Design at Auckland University of Technology. Trained as an ecologist and product designer, Stephen has a unique view on design and how it improves community involvement whilst also educating future generations. Stephen explores the use of design to bring people together and explore how health, design and community knowledge can be what are some of the what are some of the combined to refresh, revise or restore spiritual, social and emotional health. We look forward to speaking to Stephen today to hear more about design and what's happening in New Zealand. Welcome Stephen, thank you for your time to be here. Great, thanks for having me David. I suppose I should ask with the easy question or I think it's the easy question, what is your definition of design, being a professor of design? Because in my head, it could be anything. So what's your definition of design? Oh, that's a shocker right off the bat. I guess it depends on the context in which you're operating. And I don't have an easy answer for you because I don't like putting a stick in the ground. A professor of design that won't define design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many. It creates too many arguments. Let's back away from that corner, I say, David. <laughs> what, generally speaking, do you think people think design is that? I think what people think design is and what we think of design and what every designer thinks of design, there's probably a lot of similarities, but there'll also be differences. So I think from my perspective, our focus is on using design as a creative process to engage people to think differently, to solve problems, or more so much now thinking about how we can use design to rather than focus on problems, but also to look for things that are going well and how we can give more oxygen to those things. So how important is good design and inverse, how easy is it to have bad design in a community and health setting? Well, I think good design is critically important and particularly important for those who are most underserved or have been most marginalised by society and the systems which are built around the majority. In terms of the inequity that those communities have experienced, yeah, design's critical to help us to support them have what they need. And bad design, arguably, is what they might experience on a day-to-day basis now at a general kind of social level. There's no shortage of bad design in healthcare, but there's some really pretty, pretty neat things too that go on. So what would be some of your definitions in your world, especially in New Zealand, of good design in the world of health and more importantly how it impacts stakeholders and those using that care. We saw probably great examples in COVID where the largest systems, the health systems, they responded well and I think as a country we did an extraordinary job. But where it got interesting I think was hearing the stories about, and I, I don't have an intimate knowledge of it, but hearing stories about those communities that were out of the main centres that had been possibly historically reasonably distrusting of government and systems that had failed to meet their needs, having to fend for themselves and doing incredible jobs at protecting and looking after and supporting each other. And I think those are the things that are pretty interesting and show that actually communities know what they need. They know how to get them. They have the solutions. They're there. What they don't have is always or seldom is the resource for them to implement and build on those solutions. And in part, I think governments, etc., don't trust them or haven't trusted them. That was going to be my point in reference to governments, especially predominantly public health, 
how important is it for governments and the public health services to understand the community needs and exactly what they need versus what they think they need? The health system has been built in a particular way, I guess, and it served many people really well. But as our populations increase and the costs go through the roof, we become more complex and we have very different needs. I think lots of people, their needs aren't being met. So it's absolutely critical that they are able to work with communities and and be okay about handing power back to those communities. And probably it is a power thing, it's a mindset thing. And one of the challenges is that I suppose for governments is of scale and of cost. So much more targeted, nuanced kind of approaches for different things, different problems and issues. But working with communities, you see, which is design, right? Working at smaller scales in much nuanced ways. But that's probably in contrast to big systems that we live in, which is focused around efficiency and scale and scalability. Yeah, wonderful, complex challenges of complex worlds. Yeah, exactly. I think that's one thing that draws us all to this industry, the complex nature of it, but also the ability to find a solution. Having said that, knowing that you just talked about power and governance, what can designers do or what can we do to try and emphasize that that point for change knowing that generally speaking the the government will be our client and and we're wanting to make change to be more inclusive and to ensure that certainly the majority if not all of community benefits from from good and better design i think that's probably easier than the questions you've asked me so far or at least i like to hope it is i mean What designers do is they make things visible and they communicate. And I think the responsibility for us or for designers is to advocate on behalf of those users that have been underserved and actually to take their voices and their stories and to genuinely and authentically partner with them and make that visible and advocate for what their needs are and to hold a pretty hard line where possible and just constantly remind why we're here and what we're doing. Because without that, you see how powerful advertising is. That's the power of design. And I think that's one of our most important roles, I think. Not just to help to use our creative methods and processes to help those people in communities, etc., to think differently and to understand and see possibility with regard to their future, but then to take that and package it up in a way that's compelling and tells a great story and speaks of the important. I've got a background in physiotherapy and, and we were always taught, and still today I always challenge, what does the research say? Because I'm actually not smart enough to have an opinion about something, but I'm smart enough to know what the research says about a topic I'm looking towards. Because if there's evidence to support a principle, then ultimately I'm quite comfortable to go towards that or lean towards that principle in, in our design in, in healthcare. I know your university and yourself do a lot of research. So how important is it with research to provide evidence to support these findings to try and get um, important and better design across? Yeah, research, I mean, you're right. What do they say that the knowledge mobilisation gap is 17 years from research to implementation in health? I mean, it's pretty alarming. And I suppose I, th- I think about that's what we work really closely with quite a few researchers in health. And I think that's our strength is how do we support them to make their research more visible in the process of doing it so that, that you start to shrink those those gaps between discovery and implementation. 
And part of that's working alongside in a collaborative way with the communities and with the providers, et cetera. Obviously, the research is important. You know, one of the things that we come up against quite a lot is around what evidence is and what that looks like in different disciplines. So evidence and design is often quite different probably than your clinical gold standard randomized trial that's normally looked for into health. And I think one of the the things that we do as disciplines is we go back to our foundation or our core when we're challenged. And I guess you could argue that where we got to now, we got to by thinking in a certain way. And I think it takes a lot of courage and bravery to step back and say, oh, perhaps there's a different way of looking at things or, or thinking about things or doing things. And I think you see that with the increase in the valuing of Indigenous knowledge and ways of knowing, etc. Obviously, there's a long way to go, but I think for some things, there's a really great opportunity for everybody to be open to different ways of thinking. Yeah, and I do think as well, these podcasts, I've noticed already and heard a lot of people are starting to use some of the principles from these podcasts in design of future healthcare because it does take 15 to 20 years to become fully implemented from evidence to commercial success. So I'm a big believer of trying to get the research out there as much as possible because ultimately the more people that know the best principles, the sooner then we can actually improve better design and, and obviously better clinical outcomes, which is great. And that's something that I find research in this world is there's a lot of studies on it as well hasn't really been talked about for at least certainly not the last 40 50 years it's more recently last 15 20 years if not the last 10 where people are really putting their efforts and understanding the importance of research into this so i just want to talk about you as a professor in new zealand you do a lot of teaching for students at the moment what are some of the main principles that you're teaching students and what are some of the things that you'd like them to learn and leave from your teachings as they explore future careers after design? That's a great question. I teach at a range of areas from undergraduate product design through to mostly my teaching is, of course, with postgrad students. And we run a design for health pathway in our Master of Design, etc. And that's pretty exciting for us and I think pretty exciting for the school to be looking to the future and thinking about, well, what is the impact of design more generally in the world? From a student perspective, I think working in health is certainly an environment for them to get match fit when it comes to working in the complex kind of world. And our work is really applied, and I think that's possibly reasonably unusual as well. So most of our student projects, or all of them, are generally in partnership with people in health or either researchers and other academics or mostly with outside organisations outside of the university. So we're dropping our students real-world projects. And so what we're training them to do, which I think is a big step up for them, is actually how to work with people and the value and the role of what you need to do to have authentic, trusting relationships with the people that you're designing with. So really starting them to move from that kind of human-centred design where you're designing for somebody to designing with somebody. And then from a design perspective, what do I know and why do I know that and why do I think in that way? And then what? how might I need to change my thinking in order to the classic kind of what biases do I have, what privilege do I have, and how do I change my thinking in order for those that I'm working with, that their voices are able to, to speak clearly. And that's a fascinating challenge and really tricky for a lot of our students to get their heads around. They've been trained in particular ways around how designers worked. 
and to step back and think differently. I mean, it's interesting. I'm just going through that process at the moment in one of our papers. And I think one of the really interesting things for me at the moment is that design, we focus on problems and we focus on experiences of individuals a lot. And where they really struggle is the idea that there are structural factors in society, the social determinants of health, that impact the experiences of communities and then those themselves have impacts on individuals. They really struggle to recognise that there are higher level structural factors And so if you had a public health student, for example, that's their bread and butter and that's what their degrees train them for. But in design, they're not being exposed to that kind of thinking throughout their degrees. Yeah, and I think what I like to hear about that is the real world problem with the real world community as opposed to certainly when I was at university, it was very much you do your research and have minimal interaction with patients. But certainly now I know a lot more people do have a lot more interaction with patients. There was a person we interviewed a while ago, an architect, and they were saying how they, as a student, this is in the 70s, they used to literally have to be a patient for a day where they were admitted, they went through all the processes just to experience what it was like to be a patient and understand their needs and also their pain points because it's very easy to design for someone when you've never actually spoken to them. I mean, it just doesn't make sense these days. So that's really, really important. And I think using empathy and understanding of the patient journey and and also the the staff journey is extremely important as well, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. But I think there's another thing. Many university students, or certainly many that we work with, have a level of understanding of English, etc. There's a level of education that may make certain things a lot easier than a lot of other people. So again, I'm always very cautious for people who go through these kind of exercises and think that, oh, well, I've had an empathy exercise or I've done something and I have enough information now to make decisions on the behalf of others who really actually you don't know anything about their experiences and what their challenges and struggles are and I think that's the part that's valuable but that's the part that takes time and to build relationships and research relationships with people that who are different than you are takes an enormous amount of time and the challenges of not only just healthcare, but also academic degrees, is that there isn't the time that it often takes. So we might work with people for a year or two years to build relationships before we're able to actually do the research. Yeah, I 100% agree. Taking that extra time to understand, you get so much more positive outcomes for so many more people. I know it's hard in public health and even private health because everyone wants everything done now, but I always say 90% planning, 10% execution. Just take that little bit of extra time to plan and to understand, and then you'll have less problems in the future and it'll be more future-proofed as well. Yeah, I think the other thing is that what we do in health is that they try to fix last week's problems rather than going, actually, what's it going to look like in 10 years' time? And I think we're all really good at that. It's hardwired into what is the problem right now and how can we fix it? And I think, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's just a a consequence of budgeting and election cycles and all of the kinds of things in our jobs. We can't imagine being here in five years' time. Well, I don't know, I guess as we get older, we start to appreciate that a bit more. But time, it certainly rushes by pretty fast and 10 years actually isn't that long. And I think things are going to be really, really different. So we need to be thinking about it now. I totally agree, especially when it comes to sustainability. We're in a lot of trouble already. So how projects are getting off the ground without having strong sustainability principles is beyond me still. 
Just before we go, is there any take-home message for people listening? It, it was there something you would like people just to to focus on because obviously there's a lot to digest in the last twenty minutes. If people just want to get stronger and better design, what is the one thing that people can take away and try and improve design for the world of health? I think if you're getting involved in a project and you're in as a designer or in fact as anybody and you're in a position of power or control is to just pause and step back and ask what right do I have to be here what might I need to do differently or think differently in order to have the best outcome for the person that we're designing for and how do I know everything I need to know in order to most effectively work with them I guess What do I need to do to create a safe environment for the people that we're working with to be able to express their vulnerabilities? Because if they're not able to do that safely in a way that feels safe to them, you're not going to get the real story about what people need. Yeah, I think that's a very good take-home message. I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I know you're very, very, very busy, and I love the fact that you didn't limit the word of design to just a simple sentence because it's almost never ending and it's it's very almost a personal journey for what design is for the people you're interacting with and also the people actually doing the design so I I just think you're absolutely amazing and your level of smartness in this world is, is absolutely phenomenal so I appreciate your time and being able to talk to us today and relay some of those messages to our listeners so thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me David. You have been listening to the Australian Health Design Council podcast series, Health Design on the Go. If you'd like to learn more about the AHDC, please connect with us on LinkedIn or our website. Thank you for listening.